This week on Missions Today. Three days in the tomb with Christ. His victory over death is what redeems us, gives us hope for eternal life. And for kids coming down, young adults, families that travel down with us for a weekend, in three days, a family can participate, youth group can participate to build a house. Family that is living in a shack with no doors, no windows, dirt floor, no bathroom facilities, has the opportunity to leave on a Sunday afternoon after we celebrate and do a, a dedication of this house. For the first time, a family will have locking doors and a window, a bathroom facility, and a roof over their head that doesn't leak. Just three days. Three days can make a difference. We can make a difference in the lives of others. I am Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Dave Baker is the North American Director of I-68 Ministries, an organization committed to transforming lives through Christ by serving Mexico. But what we're going to learn today is that I-68 is far more than just an organization running short-term mission trips. They have boots on the ground 365 days a year, working, caring, loving people in this area of Mexico. They're making a difference every day, not just during the trips. Dave began his journey interested in architecture, but soon found that God had other plans for him, plans that would take him to Mexico and ultimately direct him to be a leader in this exciting ministry. Let's learn more about Dave and this impactful work. Dave, great to have you with us today here on Missions Today. Colin, thank you very much. Hey, let's start with the early years for you. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what life was like for Dave as a kid. Yeah, you know, I uh, uh, wasn't a military kid, but you think I was. Uh, spent a lot of my time uh, moving. Uh, my father was working, kind of moved between jobs and uh, growing up, uh, spent time moving between states and always kind of ended up back in Arizona at some point. In that time, kind of got to the point that I realized uh, making friends wasn't as always easy it needed to be. So I actually kind of had a, a lonely, you know, childhood going into youth, or at least I thought it was. At that time, you know, landed in uh, high school in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, in the kind of the mid 80s, and met my wife in high school, though she didn't quite want anything to do with me at the time. Met, met uh, ultimately in a high school youth group, which uh, started out from uh, those times being lonely. You know, I'd, I'd weekend ended up out in the desert, kind of looking at the stars and the mountain one day and Talk about a great uh, moment of uh, general revelation, kind of that Psalm 19, Roman 1, you know, the heavens will declare the glory of God. And I just realized there had to be more to life. At that time, I went home and found a Bible. Uh, I'd been to church as a kid, you know, going on Christmas and Easter and honestly failed to understand what church was about. Had had been in the mainstream, you know, holiday services, but didn't uh, get the knowledge. Uh, started reading in the book of John. Don't know where I heard that had uh, been at school and uh, there was a friend, uh, now a good friend, but at the time was an acquaintance in class that was inviting uh, all the other kids into church, but didn't invite me along. So I made sure to put myself in a situation to get him to invite me. Ended up in a high school youth group, large mega church uh, here in Scottsdale. And at that point, uh, really came to understand salvation, understood what it meant to um, be a sinner, recognize the redemption of my life by the death of Christ on the cross, and at that same time, recognize that just being redeemed wasn't the completion of the gift. You know, Christ, by his grace, that uh, eternal hope of uh, salvation and eternal life, and that free gift. So came to know that in high school, but the popular thing in the high school group at the time was to go on to high school staff or hang out with the other high schoolers, 
And I really needed to stretch my faith. So I uh, moved on to our college group, got involved in the college group, a little bit of uh, college ministry campus time. But ironically, as we talked today, just kind of subject to missions, was my first exposure to a short-term mission trip. Had an opportunity to travel into uh, Baja, Mexico, built a house for a missionary, and it was going to be a seminary. Got dirty and sweaty and uh, had a great time. And that just kind of triggered something in me. I'd always served before being a believer, worked with Special Olympics, different events, but fell in love with serving in ministry at the college ministry at that time, participated in a trip to the Urbana Missions Conference, happened every couple of years over New Year's. And my gifting is administration operations. And so at that time, actually turned around and led a couple of follow-up trips to Urbana, getting other students to go and cool legacy of that is over the last couple of decades, uh, several of those people that participated on those trips have been to the mission field, moved their families, and spent many time in the mission field. So little did I realize just coordinating a trip and getting people exposed to missions back then uh, was going to lead to lifetime missions for others. And then um, for myself, leading to where I'm at today. God created an opportunity for me to um, start at ASU as architecture, moved me to communication, met my wife, started dating and got involved in ministry. Didn't have the desire to be a senior pastor, but that support role, coming alongside the associate role, um, my personal philosophy of ministry as I've developed it is uh, serve the body of Christ, to empower the body of Christ, to share the love of Christ. So I uh, went to uh, seminary, got my master's of divinity. God's great sense of humor turned around, and I ended up uh, owning a IT technology group for the last 20 years. Six years ago, God moved to my heart that it was time for me to continue to take the next step. Transitioned out of that company, sold it, and allowed me to move into full-time missions work. The amazing part was those 20 years in IT technology was serving churches and nonprofits. So we help churches with everything IT as technology has evolved and changed supporting them in their ministry and their work as well. I want to go back to uh, your high school experience, coming to know Christ. At that point in your life, were you thinking about a, a career of any kind? Were you thinking about ministry at all beyond just your own personal experience? What did that look like, or did that not come along to your experiences in college that you mentioned? You know, high school early on, I uh, dating myself, I grew up in the days of a a drafting board and T-squares, you know, com- computer CAD design had just come out. Uh, so I was I was on the track to mechanical design or architecture was the thought. As I got engaged serving at church, working with the sound, you know, supporting events, serving in the community. At the same time, I was working at the summer camp for kids in a secular program in the community. And uh, I think one night early college, it hit me. I um, was uh, working on a, a drawing, was doing very well, had gotten accepted into the architectural school at ASU, which is a very well accredited program. And I look back now and it was kind of naive, but realized that I did this great drawing and so what? I wanted to be with people. I wanted to engage with people. Since uh, the years now, I realized God's used many of architects to build great facilities and design and use those gifts and talents, but that wasn't the calling to me. It was a chance to respond, to be with people, engage people, uh, and that's where I ended up with a degree of of BS in communication, an amazingly useless degree in and of itself, but uh, 
God used it uh, in many ways. You talked about uh, that initial mission trip to Baja, Mexico, to build a house. Talk for a moment, expound on that experience, what that was like, and how it impacted you personally. You know, the um, trip to Mexico that we took was with some friends from church. You know, so there was a trusted camaraderie, you know, trusting others to go along. But I had never grew up traveling outside of the country, so it was a first time overcoming fears. The opportunity to travel with the group that we knew, uh, had a partnership with, had the location to stay, and was taking care of our food and meals. I think the most amazing part was just recognizing the poverty that exists. Where God's moved me today is recognizing that just within an hour of the U.S. border, uh, we have people that are living in absolute squalor. I mean, without running water, no restroom facilities, living in cardboard boxes and, you know, the best thing they can prop into a house. Uh, so, you know, back in my early 20s, to experience that was was something that was unseen and not just a neighborhood, not just that you drove into a part of town and you saw some homelessness. I always had a compassion. I had served at food kitchens and volunteered packing food boxes, but recognizing day in, day out that uh, people were living in those conditions. And amazingly, I don't want to say we're content, but they certainly didn't live in the material you know, needs that we lived in in the U.S. Uh, that was impactful. I think that was uh, key and uh, triggering and building a foundation for me to continue to enable the church to reach people globally. You think of the command in Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. So our, and I think that shaped uh, myself and for my wife and I as we've served in our giving. You know, how do we serve locally? How do we serve regionally? And how do we serve globally? And working that into... Um, responding to our call to be obedient. You talked about going through the architecture, moving into um, communications and then into ministry, seminary degree, masters of divinity, uh, and then about owning this IT company uh, from kind of the end of the education years into those work years. Were you continuing ministry uh, alongside the work? What did that look like? You know, God created this uh, IT business uh, for me without even me planning to start one. I was uh, working at a church quarter time after graduating seminary. God met the need of a couple of churches that needed a little bit of help. So started working with churches. At that time, my wife and I were planning a family. Her goal was to be a mom. She'd been a nanny uh, for um, years. And God delayed us having a family with lots of prayer. We continued to seek after that. Gave us time to launch into this business, though. So my ministry was key in supporting and working with churches. Again, that's assimilation role. I've always described my ministry as what I call a platter ministry. The idea is if you were to sit down at a fine meal and the host were to bring the roast and the meal out with their bare hands and slop it on the table in front of us, it wouldn't be appealing. But my goal was to be the host, Christ Jesus, to let his message, the meal, be delivered by whoever has that gifting and that talent and my role of serving in the church, and at that time, technology, was a platter that the ministry could be served on to reduce the noise to distract from the message, and that's the gospel of Christ. So through technology, I had the opportunity to work with churches, to use technology as a tool for ministry. And at the same time, my wife and I were leading a home community uh, group of, of young families as we had kids, grew into that, 
served, uh, currently serving with youth ministries where we continue to serve today. As you went through that experience from college, uh, the the mission trips, beginning to help churches in that ministry uh, and business of IT, at any point in there, did you feel like what you're doing now or what you've grown into became an actual calling or was it just part of your vocation? Looking back on uh, how God has brought me to where I am today, there's no doubt that every step along the way was a call. There's many times as I've looked at what's next for me in my life, uh, my wife and I both, we've, we've prayed for, we've looked for that billboard, we've looked for that audible you know, word of God, say, take this door. And our journey, God it hasn't revealed that. He's always given us two or three doors, two or three options. Every one of them has looked the same, felt the same. But in each one of those doors, we look at it and we realize in obedience to God and recognizing, you know, desiring to serve him, he's been faithful. He's created every one of those opportunities using our gifts and talents to lead us where we are. All along when we were doing church IT, we were going to, you know, it, it was doing it for the glory of God, for the missions and service. Everything was for the kingdom. I've always considered myself Mark 1045 for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many has been just my verse call, um, service and the idea of giving it away. At the same time, as my wife and I have matured and um, we've participated in foster care, she currently works with a, a foster licensing agency. Um, one of the challenges, and I, and I use this regularly as I talk with groups in the mission field is our lives are, are so routine and we live in so much comfort and it's easy to come up with reasons to say no. But in that process of being obedient, uh, the phrase we use is eliminating the no's. It's easy to say, well, I can't, I can't take a short-term mission trip because uh, I don't have a passport. I can't go because I don't know if I have the dates off work. I can't go because I don't have the money. You know, for us, you know, foster care, we can't go because we weren't licensed. We couldn't go because we didn't have the training. And every one of those is easy to drop out of the way when you apply for that passport. It's good for 10 years. There's no longer a no. You know, when it's about coming up with the dates off work, just ask, uh, start praying. And you get it down to the fact that all of the conditional no's that God's given us the ability to have control over are eliminated. Then it comes down to us really having to say no to a call from God, which the second part, the second challenge that we've grown much more uh, in our faith. I would say the second part where we've grown to trust God is letting uncomfortable into our lives. We live in a, a world that is all based on comfort, homes and cars and media and you know society we live in. Amazing ministry happens uh, when things are uncomfortable. Being vulnerable to God, whether it's emotionally or physically, allowing that discomfort in is where God can work. And the truth be told, anything that's worth doing Anything that matters uh, is going to stretch us. It isn't always going to be comfortable. But that's the amazing part of stepping into that uncomfort is, uh, I think, really a personal belief. That's where we see the Holy Spirit, you know, come through us. Galatians talks about fruits of the Spirit. It's not a checklist of things we do. It's walking in step with the Holy Spirit as he works through us and letting that Holy Spirit lead us and overcome. And that's where the, the you know, gifts, spiritual gifts each of our unique gifts and talents, every one of us play a part uh, for God to be using us um, in uncomfortable ways 
after we eliminate the nose. Tell me how you connected with I-68 ministry. I-68, you know, oddly came along through God's uh, provision of lining up ministry, preparing me all along the way. We had a new uh, youth director that came to our church, had some friends from college that knew about I-68. At that time, our uh, children were going into high school and uh, created an opportunity for them to go to Mexico on a short-term trip. Uh, you know, opportunity for me to say a light up and go, man, I, my kids get the same experience I did many years earlier, kind of lit a passion of, man, I, I want every kid uh, that can, every youth, you know, young adult to, to experience what I saw in Mexico at a young age. And so I went on the trip, met the staff of I-68, continued to uh, go for a couple years with my kids as they went through high school. At that time, started attending trips without our church with the I-68 group. And at that time, the leadership approached me, asked me to join the board of I-68. So join, you know, stateside on the board, leading the, the team there from a U.S.-based leadership team, and at the same time, enjoying more trips. God's amazing providence, just the way he works, the, the timing, getting me engaged, understanding the, the passion of I-68, understanding what makes it unique and special, lining up courses event, ultimately to the opportunity today to be with them uh, as a full-time uh, direct U.S. director. With I-68, one of the parts that uh, stood out, besides the experience of kids going down and having an opportunity to have a short-term mission trip. The uh, experience with I-68 is more than that. We have a, a great uh, t-shirt that says three days changes everything. And the truth it does. I mean, three days in the tomb with Christ and his victory over death is what redeems us, gives us hope for eternal life. And for kids coming down, young adults, families that travel down with us for a weekend, in three days, a family can participate, youth group can participate to build a house family that is living in a shack with no doors, no windows, dirt floor, no bathroom facilities, has the opportunity to leave on a Sunday afternoon after we celebrate and do a, a dedication of this house. For the first time, a family will have locking doors and a window, a bathroom facility, and a roof over their head that doesn't leak. And so the three days is significant. But what impressed me most of what engaged me to invest more in I-68, get on the board, and now as a full-time missionary, is what I kind of refer to as the other 362 days. Three days changes everything, but the 362 days of discipleship, where we're engaging with those families on a day-to-day -day basis, is what makes the difference in bringing people to Christ. There's people in the community that I-68 serves on a daily basis. We've got a teen mentoring center. We've got a music mentoring program working with students, just introducing them to music, great music facility we built down there. We've got a ministry for women. Our director in Mexico is Tony and Orfa. Uh, several of their children are involved. Celeste is one of our program directors down there. She created a gym uh, for women in the culture for women to just participate, grow physically, be challenged to improve their health, but mentoring and coaching them giving them an identity of who they are in Christ and coming alongside them, our youth program, providing education, tutoring, helping them with the cost of education, all of this right just south of the border. The idea of that discipleship, living and walking with the, the people in Mexico within the community is key to us. Our, our goal of I-68, the way we describe what we do is we're a gospel-proclaiming, disciple-making, compassion ministry. And the compassion part is important 
but there's a reason that we put it last in that statement is making disciples of the gospel is key. And we do that through compassion and being involved in the ministry. And that day-to-day discipleship isn't always in that order. We're going to be engaged with people working in the construction, training them in a job traded skill. We got a bakery uh, that women are learning how to bake and cook food. They're then taking that food. And as these women and this men in this community have come to their faith, are now going out into the areas of Rocky Point, Mexico, and are distributing that food, sharing the gospel. But many of them, as they started working in the buildings, working at our base camp and working in the bakery, they didn't know the gospel. They just knew somebody cared about them. They knew there was something different about these people. And as the chance that they had to work alongside the work that they were doing, they've heard the gospel. And most importantly, they've learned the relationship of Christ in their life. And that's saving hope. What is the significance of the I-68 name? I-68, it, it, it's great. Uh, Scott and Shannon are our U.S. missionary directors. They started the ministry in 2011 down in Mexico. Scott's a tall guy, so he, he actually had a car with a license plate that had I-68 on it. Many times going across the border, he was asked if the license plate, if he was six foot eight you know, inches tall, because the license plate was I-68. But I-6-8 comes from Isaiah 6-8. God's talking to the nation of Israel, and ultimately it's a call of who's going to remain worthy, who's going who's to respond. And Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. That's a line you'll see us refer to often is, here I am, send me. And it's being obedient to God's call to respond to the way that he speaks to us and that he's got a plan that he's going to be faithful to fulfill and wants to use us to complete. And that's proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. And for us, it's doing it in Mexico. A great part of my role coming on board as we kind of grow the ministry as U.S. director is working on the partnership on both sides of the border. So we're, we're going to partner. Our goal is to partner with churches in Mexico as we bring disciples and uh, make disciples there, proclaim the gospel, that we have the ability to plug families, individuals into churches in Mexico. And at the same time, the three, what we refer to that 362 days of the year is people come and experience a three-day build trip with us, that they're going to go back home for 362 days. How are they continuing their discipleship journey to be obedient to Christ? How did that time of experiencing poverty, experiencing a different socioeconomic class, experiencing food that's made differently? experiencing living conditions unlike they've ever seen, how is that just not a camp high that they come off of? But part of my role is to continue to work with churches on how do we continue to engage and support the ongoing ministries of I-68 that continue the rest of the 362 days, but how do these individuals take that next step in their journey? For me, it was, okay, God, you're letting me into technology. How do I use where I am at the opportunity that you've created, the moment that you've given me to be obedient to you, to be a disciple and to be a discipler telling people about Christ and being ready to ride that journey to figure out what God's got planned for you later. I mean, it could be you'd be a lawyer, you could be an engineer, you might choose full-time ministry, you might be leading worship, but you might be just uh, participating in a home Bible study group, serving in the nursery. God's plan for you 10 years, 20 years, you know, 30 years down the road, you know, just remaining faithful, walking that journey and being ready to be sent. God, send me now. Send me where you want to lead me. 
I love that. God, send me. Send me now. Do with me now what you want to do. You know, it's that attitude, that position of the heart that we've seen today with Dave, and we see so many of our guests have that leads to amazing stories of God at work around the world. There's also several things I'd like to share with you that Dave shared. I think they are worth repeating today. First, Dave talked about he and his wife following God's lead, God's direction, trying to find God's will, and often finding that they have two or three doors open to them that all look good. You know, sometimes I think we who are Christians believe that God's plan has only one option. It's a single dot on a map, and we have to just stay right there on that one dot buy this house, marry this person, take this job, or else. The truth is, we serve a great and good God, and many times He has multiple options for us, all of them good for us to choose from. Celebrate and enjoy the freedom of that. Another thing Dave shared is the flip side of a coin I often share here. You've probably heard me say it before, say yes to the Lord. Dave's statement was, eliminate the no's. Find solutions to the no's in life and move on. He said, if you don't have a passport, get one. It's going to last you 10 years. It's simple and can open the door to wondrous things. God has something waiting for you. Eliminate the no's and do what's next. Finally, Dave said he and his wife have learned to let uncomfortable into their lives. And in those times, he said, they've seen some of the most incredible things happen. As Americans, we love comfort. We're used to comfort. But as I read my Bible, it's filled with people who are faced with great discomfort. It ultimately, though, leads them to do great things for God. Allow some discomfort into your life. God will use it to grow you. You know, I-68 has such important ministry going on day in and day out on the ground in Mexico. Children's and youth ministry, women's ministry, music ministry, a cooking ministry, mentoring, and more. And we're going to connect you with those links through the notes here on our podcast today. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could rate, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. If you have feedback for me, email me at clambert at missionstoday.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.